So Sarah, thank you so much for coming on this podcast with Gemma and myself. Uh, Gemma, co-author along with Geraint um, of Sustainable Marketing, How to Drive Profits with Purpose. And you very kindly, Sarah, so you're the CEO of Shakespeare Martineau and I and you and I connected on Twitter and I saw a post that you had talked about, which really resonated with me, which is why I wanted to interview you for the book around the role of leadership and profit with purpose and that, uh, you know, organizations needed to balance this better. So I remember from our interview, you, you know, you talk about sustainability within an organization has to be led for the top. So that's probably a good place for us to start this conversation. So let's start at the top with, you know, the role that leadership plays. Yeah, thank you. Um, and congratulations on getting that book out there, by the way, as well. I know it's an amazing achievement. And and as I said in the book, incredibly important because I, I do think, I know the title of this podcast is Can Marketing Save the Planet? Um, yes, with friends and with leaders that believe in it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and yeah, I am a leader that does believe in it. And just to dispel any myths, um, somebody uh, apparently jokingly said about me recently on, on some social media thing that I... I was really woke. And well, first of all, I had to go and look at what woke was because I didn't actually know what it meant, which probably means I'm not woke because I think you probably need to be far more down with the kids to know what woke means. But there is an assumption that that people like me who believe strongly in sustainability or purpose are not commercial, that we're doing it because we're trying to be politically correct or something like that. So first and foremost, this is a commercial imperative. Mm. It's Of course, it's the right thing to do. It's an ethical thing to do. And it's something that we have to do. But don't think for a second this isn't a commercial imperative. I, I firmly believe it is. And I would say to any leader who's either ticking a box because they think they're trying to be politically correct, just look deeper. Because actually, if you get this right and you do bring sustainability and purpose into how you lead your organization and, and indeed how business works more holistically, I think we will have more sustainably profitable businesses. So for me, sustainability works on two levels. It's it's about the sustainability of my business alongside the sustainability of the planet, society, and everything else that we hold dear. So, so yes, it does need to be a leadership thing and not because we've suddenly all become really woke and really worthy because it's our job to do the best for our organisations and our people. And I think the two things fit together brilliantly. And, and it can, and, yeah, sorry, Gemma. Sorry, and you know, and we we raise we raise that in our book in terms of you know doing the research in and 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 educating ourselves. You know, sustainability doesn't equal, as you say, that businesses don't grow. It does equal growth, and when we when we peel back the potential revenues of going down a sustainable route, it's in the trillions of pounds of business that is available there by doing the right thing. Absolutely. And and the, the, there are two aspects for me of this doing the right thing. And um, I say this as somebody who used to be an accountant. I'll, I'm sure we'll come back to some of that. But first of all, it can actually save you money. Yeah. So if, if you don't care about the planet, maybe you care about pound signs. It can save you money. If you have more green travel policies 
or better carbon footprint when it comes to your offices, the electricity you're using, the equipment that you're using, all of those things, you will generally save money as well. What you do need to do, though, is look at that over a medium time frame. You might not save money overnight, but if you look at it properly over a three, four, five year time frame, I'm absolutely convinced that most green based carbon saving policies will save the business money as well. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, quite frankly, your clients and your people are going to demand this of you as well. You know, we can see the shift in society quite rightly. Um, you know, my my 11-year-old, Harry's just turned 11, his hero is David Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and he's not even talking about Greta. You know, he's he's looking at a guy who's, you know, I don't know how old Sir David is, but I'm sure he's 80s, 90s. You know, he's looking at that kind of a role model, the generation coming through and the the people we're seeing, you know, if you look at the research now about, about Gen Z, Gen, Al- Gen Alpha, this matters enormously to those generations. And quite frankly, as somebody who's a more of a, um, you know, a Gen X than a Gen Y, although I'm kind of in the cusp almost, but I, I actually, I uh, can, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, absolutely relate to all of this as well. So I don't think we should just assume that this is a young person's attitude. I actually think those of us in middle age are increasingly looking at this and changing our attitudes, perhaps to some of the stuff from the past. So, so for me, you know, there, there are some really strong commercial imperatives to do it around saving money, but staying relevant, massively important. And, and you mentioned the Edelman Trust Barometer when we were just talking in the pre-record pre, you know, and uh, around trust and around the change of consumer consciousness and what they require from both leaders to speak out on yeah. societal issues, to, to be making change, to be leading change. Uh, they are more trusted than governments to, you know, to be yeah. affecting that. Um, but importantly, the consumer you know, as you're right. The, and, and I remember in the interview in your book, Sarah, you mentioned these are some of the questions now that you're getting asked, your, your team are getting asked when you're bringing new team members on board. They, they're, they're querying this sustainability mm. stance. Quite rightly. I mean, I um, we know from, as you can imagine, we, we bring on board dozens of uh, trainees a year and uh, people into other routes as well, whether it's paralegal or some of our non-legal trainee routes that we have. Uh, it is being asked constantly. And I, I had a session with, uh, we did a, an open week a few weeks ago for people thinking about a career in legal. And we had, I think at one point, 123 people on a Zoom call. The questions, I actually felt I was being held to account by these, by literally, literally 18-year-olds through to, say, 21-year-olds who were literally saying to me, well, what are you doing? And, you know, but is are you doing it? You know, are you doing it rather yeah. than just saying it? And, and I, I genuinely think, quite rightly, as business leaders, we do need to be held to account and we're going to get that even more in the future. And it's got to be more than just words. And that's where you refer to the Edelman Trust Barometer. People are savvy enough to spot the difference between words and actions. Yeah. And I'm quite keen that we don't start shouting about our achievements until we feel that they're there and they're sustainable. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say we've got this sorted. We haven't. And I won't be comfortable saying we haven't until I can prove it with evidence. And I know that we're totally walking the talk. Um, I think there's an awful lot of businesses that are talking about this, but not doing anything. And I think that will be so obvious to people as well. So as business leaders now, we need to fill that gap between words and actions. And, and you know, this isn't just a, a fly, um, you know, a, a fly by night thing where it's, it's in fashion for a while. This is how it is now. This is how we do things now. And, and I think that's, you know, sustainable sustainability is, is where it's at. Yeah, I mean... I couldn't agree more. And, and I think, you know, business absolutely needs to to lead the charge here. And, you know, 
businesses need to be in it for the long haul. And I, yeah, I, I say this all the time that, you know, when you've got long term targets based 30 years out, 50 years out, you know, suddenly that just makes it somebody else's problem. And it's so easy to then pass that issue on and go, well, that's not for me. And I really loved your quote um, from, from the interview where you said, you know, it's about new habits and that's new habits for business, new habits for governments, countries, people. And by making small changes, because I think, you know, let's face it, we live in a society where people want things now, they want quick fixes, they want to read headlines, they don't want to, you know, that everyone's so busy, there's so much noise that to put in, you know, long term effort into stuff seems, you know, in today's world, quite difficult for people, because everything's moving so quickly. So I, I really like the fact, you know, make small changes. And if everyone makes small changes, that's when change happens. And I think that's something that businesses, you know, they need to learn from each other. Those that are doing it well need to pass on that knowledge to enable those um, habitual and behavioral changes. Totally agree with that, Gemma. I think uh, this isn't an area where you're trying to gain competitive advantage. It's one of those areas where it's for the greater the greater good. And um, I I've used this analogy a lot, so forgive me. I do end up talking about cake quite a lot and then feel (laughs) quite hungry, and I'm definitely feeling hungry now. Um, But surely what we're trying to do here is make the cake bigger for everybody. If all businesses get good at this, it's in everybody's better interest. You know, markets will be more effective. uh, You know, we'll have more affluence. Hopefully, we'll have fewer um, environmental problems, which cause huge costs for business as well. So if we all get good at this, it makes the cake bigger. So rather than fighting each other to be better at it than everybody else, so that we gain some very short-term competitive advantage. If we work together in, in this kind of sense of abundance mentality, we will make business better for everybody in the long run. And that's got to be the attitude over something like this. Yeah, I agree. And, and so practically then, you know, if this is, because leading from the top is important, it, you know, you've got to have the leaders bought into this yeah. to, to drive the change. That is important. And, you know, our view is that, can marketing save the planet? And, and yes, it can. Marketing plays a huge role in brand, in communication, uh, hopefully is sitting around that boardroom, you know, uh, yeah. uh, and if it isn't. So from a practical perspective, where does marketing fit in for you, Sarah? Yeah. So one of the things I've always loved, and I've, I've, my, um, we might come to this, but my experience with marketing as uh, was learned at Boots the Chemist, essentially. And um, I'm not a marketeer by background, but I learned a huge amount while I was there. Um, and essentially, I think that the thing that I misunderstood about marketing was thinking it was trying to sell things to people. And I made the assumption that selling was trying to force people to buy stuff they didn't need or want. So I, having learned about marketing through being at Boots and doing my MBA, I totally turned that on its head and realized that fantastic marketing is all about getting into the psyche of the customer. And of course, an awful lot of marketing is targeted at employees as well, whether it's internal comms or investor comms or whatever it may be. So if you... If you want to work out how to use your marketing resources, what I would say is make them internally the voice of your people and the customer, because they are the ones who will understand this probably better than most and listen to what they have to say. And if they're not, uh, if they don't have the right budget, give them budget to do research, to really, truly understand what your people think and what your customers think and use that voice in your decision making. And, And for me, that's how I've 
I guess I, I changed my perspective about marketing. So yes, of course, there's all the great things you've talked about there about building the brand and the comms and all the rest of it. But the absolute superpower of marketing for me is empathy and understanding and really, truly getting inside the customer's eyes and ears and head and the same with your people and not just about how they feel now but even more importantly where the trends are going and where they're likely to be thinking and feeling in a few years time yeah and I, and I, I couldn't agree more in and then there's that you know that huge behavioral change that marketing drives and and, and social marketing you know and you people often apply it to you know as you've said marketing advertising sale buy consume but there's also, you know, look what marketing has done for, for educating on the dangers of smoking and how packets, packaging for cigarettes has changed over the years and the messaging has changed. And, you know, it's about health. It's about changing behavior so people don't smoke. And I think sustainability and what we need to do to save the planet, absolutely, marketing has to change behaviors. It has to educate. It has to inform. And it's not just to consumers. I mean, um, you you are the CEO of a law firm and there's so much regulation and, and law and, and legislation behind all parts of sustainability. And, you know, it's about educating um, not just consumers, but educating businesses and those people that you work with, developers and car manufacturers and stuff on what they need to do, because ultimately those products will be purchased by somebody. Yeah, I think... um that's that's a really, really good point, the education point, but back to changing behaviour, because it is changing behaviour we're trying to change here. And what we need is eyes and ears to call things out. So as lawyers, we can call out, for example, when a piece of government policy might be saying one thing. For example, if you, and I'm not a lawyer, so I need to be careful here that I don't get myself into hot water <laughs> uh, talking about stuff I don't understand. But for example, let's say um, the government are obviously trying to drive at the moment a shift to electronic vehicles. And for example, example, there was some legislation recently with changes to energy to say that new homes can't be built with gas uh, boilers, gas powered boilers anymore, unless they're, I think it's hydrogen boilers or whatever. Um, so these are great big pronouncements and fabulous targets that come from the government. What we then see either as businesses or as lawyers looking at business regulation is all the red tape and the bureaucracy that goes with that is working against it because what the government haven't been able to do is work its way through the system. Um, I'll give you an internal example that's easier to explain, I suppose. So um, I, uh, you know, we know that we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint as a business, but it's only when you go looking at the minutiae, you realize things you're doing are driving the wrong behavior. So currently, if somebody drives an ele electronic vehicle on business use, obviously we don't drive any vehicles anywhere at the moment, but yeah. when we can drive again, if one of my team or me, because I've got an electronic vehicle, drive that to uh, a client meeting or somewhere else where we could legitimately charge back our expenses, I would get zero for that because I don't have a petrol receipt um, if I drove my diesel car, I can claim it back at 44p a mile. Mm. So obviously the right thing to do is for me to drive the elect electric car, but our processes haven't yet caught up with that. Yeah. And that comes from the HMRC who have a policy that, that set out how much you can claim per mile, but we haven't got our heads around how to claim for an electronic vehicle. So on one hand, at a macro level, we've got government policy driving um, towards electronic vehicles with some massive lofty targets. And then when it works its way right the way through the system, our behavior is being driven by expense policies and our business needs to change ours as much as anybody else does that encourage the right behaviors. So um, 
yeah, marketing can play a role in that. But quite yeah. frankly, they can also be the eyes and ears of spotting where these things, both internally and externally, are not consistent and are going to drive the wrong behavior. And, and I would encourage, I say to all of our people, you've got to be our eyes and ears because our intentions are good. But sometimes the execution has just got lost in the detail. And I think, you know, business being that that sort of middleman, middlewoman um, between government and what they're doing and, and consumers and society is so critical because, you know, these, these targets against, you know, everyone moving to electric cars ultimately means that we all have to purchase electric cars at some point. And we don't all have that money stashed yeah. under our mattresses to wake up one day and go, I need to now buy an electric car. Yeah. And I think, you know, we don't have the, um, the direct answer, but that comes back to businesses taking responsibility yeah. for the business that they operate and not putting the onus on the end user, the consumer. So taking that responsibility at the forefront, you know, and that comes back to that planning at the beginning. So the, the loop doesn't close with the consumer, you know, the loop starts and ends with, with the manufacturer, you know, with the business that we take responsibility for our product, our packaging, our usage, you know, what happens and the disposal so that uh, our audience know that when they buy our goods, whether they're buying, you know, a low cost good or our mid, mid market or a high cost, it's all been produced responsibly because we're all operating under a certain, you know, a, a certain a certain level of sustainability. It, it, it isn't, it isn't, oh, we're at this level, you're at that level, our product's better than yours or more sustainable. There should just be a ground base where there is responsible business and every business to operate has to have that level of responsibility. I mean, my Nirvana would be I know it's a challenge to achieve, but, you know, it, it, and it maybe it doesn't need to be that challenging. But if, if every organization to operate had to meet some form of criteria like the B Corps do, which, I mean, is, is very, you know, is challenging, but they are, there is accountability, there is responsibility, there is. And at the moment, you know, what the challenge we've got is there are too many organizations trying to claw back some responsibility. But some of these huge organizations, that's going to take years and years and years. And for some, it's going to be nigh on impossible unless they completely re-engineer their business processes. Yeah, which is why I, I, I'd go back to, you know, what you said in your interview of the book, which is, you know, small changes on yeah. a mass scale, you know, and and it that's is. across that's across yeah. all areas. And we and, can and all do something on that. Can't yeah, we? I, yeah, I agree. And those of us who do have choice should do more. Yeah, I think basically. And and that's where I've come to, you know, I, I've, I've now got past the point where I'm, I'm hiding my next new pair of shoes from my husband. I'm now making sure he sees them so that he can hold me accountable that I do not need another pair of shoes. And, and there's a, there's a big here, thing here about, about consumerism as well. And, you know, it, it's a dilemma for marketing. I appreciate it. You know, we're, we've got the dichotomy of needing to sell, uh, um, but maybe there's an element here of changing social attitude that I should buy better shoes less frequently than buying, you know, a new pair of shoes every X months or whatever. So it's, it's, it's all, it's, it operates on many levels, but small changes by those of us who can make choices without it affecting us too badly is, is far more effective than asking people to massively overhaul their lifestyle. Um, either those of us, you know, some of you, I think you said it earlier, Gemma, about having a longer term perspective. Mm. 
Um, there was something on the news yesterday about uh, the problems we'll be having by the end of this century. And I, I instantly did what I'm sure most of us would have done and went, oh, so that's in, what, 80 years' time? Oh, I won't be here. And then I thought, no, but Harry will and Josh will, my children, yeah. and hopefully, and, and their, their children. children and their children. And there is something here that we have to reprogram our brains about looking at our own personal planning horizons as well. Yeah. And not just about that age element, but, you know, about how we all, you know, I think we, we've got into a, a not mercenary totally mercenary but there is this you know we talk about community it's really got to come together more and think as we are we are a collective and we should be helping and supporting one another there's a the I'm all right Jack mentality has been around for too long in business and indeed as individuals you know it's kind of it's it's been integrated isn't it as part of how we operate. But I, I think there's another bit of psychology here, which which as marketeers, I'm sure you understand far better than I can, but it's finding that win-win solution as well. Because people like to feel that they've, they've gained doing the something, right they've achieved something, yeah. rather than just giving something away. Um, and that's where I think as horrible as the pandemic is, I think there are so many opportunities that the pandemic is giving us to actually create more sustainable products, more sustainable uh, marketing, more sustainable comms, all of those things, really. You know, we know now that uh, those of us who are office-based workers will probably be able to reduce our carbon footprint because we're more likely now to work in a, a hybrid way in the future rather than everybody sitting one desk, one person in an office, large office, lots of heating bills, et cetera, et cetera, uh, lots of air conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. So there are things like that that will definitely be win-win. But but I also love the idea that we can be investing in products and product design and R&D, which is renewable as well yeah. and and the role that marketing can play you've said it Gemma in educating people about some of this yeah. so you know switching your electricity provider and and actually creating more renewable energy um especially for those of us who are going to have to continue working from home if that was all properly joined up that people understood the impact of that and there was a benefit from an employer that we give somebody a working from home allowance I don't know. I'm I'm kind of waffling and I'll stop. But but the point here is I think we need to use the 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 societal and the working changes out of the pandemic and and see if we can kill two birds with one stone and find a win-win solution where we're improving something and we're making it more sustainable at the same time. Yeah. And this this goes back to the, you know, I keep reading about it, build back better from this point. Because yeah. we've almost, you know, yeah. when it comes to the economy, when it comes to business, um, when it comes to the biggest polluted such as you know air travel and aviation industry we've hit pause not not because we've you know not deliberately but because we've had to hit pause so surely this is an opportunity to build back better from that to make different choices behaviorally I know I've changed a lot of my habits during the the last year or so um and you know I'm I'm hoping to keep some of those habits going moving forward um and I think it's given everyone potentially an opportunity to not just go back to where we were before because it mm. it wasn't working you know mm. and I think that's where marketing can incentivize that kind of behavior as well right actually I'd forgotten about that that's exactly yeah. what's going on isn't it so yeah. so how can we how can we incentivize because you're right we've we've had to create new habits but keeping them there now I think mm. it should be where a lot of our attention focuses yeah yeah. yeah. Well, I think it, let's hope it's opened a lot of eyes. So coming back to, you know, our marketing and thank you so much for all that wonderful insight, Sarah. We like to ask some questions about, you know, there's three questions that I'm going to fire at you at the end, which are kind of, you know, 
big juicy questions for you. Um, But just before that, what challenges do you foresee, not only for your, you know, as a CEO, as a, you know, as a leader in for your own organization, but what challenges would you say, do you think, or the biggest challenge that you foresee for organizations? Um, so I think we're going to go through a period of pretty turbulent change, quite rightly, partly market driven by recession, partly uh, initiatives like social change, sustainability, those kind of things, changes to our attitudes around globalization. I mean, we've had such a shift to globalization. I wonder now, with the pandemic, you know, this idea that we're hermetically sealing countries and putting borders back in. And this was before we were even talking about, you know, we obviously had that Brexit uh, idea of, of becoming more of an island or feeling like more of an island. Well, the pandemic is is making us less trustful of yeah. each other as well. So I think, I think there are several things. The first one is, are we going to see a shift in the way people buy and where they want to take their services from? Are we, are we going to batten down the hatches, become much more localised, much, much less globalised? So I think that's a big trend. I think uh, the pressure on uh, doing what we can to not further widen the gulf between the richest and poorest in society will become a pressure that sits on businesses. And then I think we're going to have a good old-fashioned ongoing recession to deal with, let alone several decades of paying back a huge amount so, so getting the taxation right, such that we incentivize businesses to grow, be entrepreneurial, remove the red tape and keep all of those positive things going whilst clawing back, uh, unfortunately, the huge debt that, that we've necessarily obviously had to get into. So I think there's a very turbulent change, uh, time of change ahead for businesses. So my number one thing at the moment is to stay agile. I think all businesses have to stay incredibly agile and, and listen and and respond very quickly and so i think agility in decision making agility in pivoting in changing your strategy um but you know the days of the five-year plan i think have by all means have a five-year target of where you're trying to get to but how you get there i think you you are going to have to think on your feet and keep thinking on your feet it's going to be a wiggly journey for sure isn't it yeah Um, and and i suppose coming back to you know the bigger the bigger conversation around all of that the practicalities i mean there's a lot going on for businesses isn't there now and 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 one of the things i know Gemma and i were concerned about is that sustainability is going to get pushed to the bottom of the pile because because of all of this turbulence so i i bring it back to what i was talking about with win-win before don't make it a separate thing make it bring it into how you need to do your change so we're going to be you know trading environments are going to be tough for everybody people will need to save costs you can actually save costs by doing some sustainable things at the same time so don't make it separate bring it into something you're trying to achieve join it all up really and and that's the way i would do it if you think about it as something separate so so a, a bit more broadly than sustainability but i'm i'm vociferous about this i will not have separate committees for responsible business in my business and i was challenged on this recently by an independent um uh person looking at us for an accreditation and said, it looks like you're not taking it seriously. I said, no, the reason I won't have it is it has to be owned at main board level. There's a danger that if main board create lots of separate committees, you don't see it as part of the day job. Yeah. And I need every single person sitting around my main board table to see responsible business, including sustainability, is part of our DNA and part of how we do things. So the fact that, you know, I'm not going to tick a box because it's on somebody's checklist for an accreditation to say, have you got a responsible business committee? The answer is it's the main board. Yeah, I love that. And we are a responsible business. Exactly. You know, that it's is just, it's, it's yeah. part of being in business, which it yeah. should be part of being in business. You so know? I, I do worry that we do some of these things incorrectly. We actually yeah. try to create inclusion by creating 
barriers by setting up lots of committees for every different protected characteristic. No, we don't want that. We want no. lots of people talking to each other as individuals and making sure that we're being inclusive. So so I'm fighting I feel like I'm fighting the system a little bit actually on this. Um, and I've got an open mind that if I've got it wrong, then I'll do it their way. But I worry that these things are becoming tick box exercises, not truly yeah. about doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think also then, you know, with 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 the power of collaboration and everybody being in the room to to agree it and talk about it, then the internal communications can be consistent. They can, you know, they can go to the employees, they can go to the team members, they can go to the board, and everybody then is pulling in the same direction. And I think a lot of organizations fail because their internal communications are not consistent, you know, and um, mm. I think, you know, the pandemic's given us a absolute prime example of when both internal let's commu- and external communications don't marry up, you know, confusion yeah. reigns, isn't it? And, yeah. and you, you need the collaboration at a board level, as you say, to be able to then communicate to your people. And then when they ask the questions, they will get the same answers, you know, and that's how you build trust, isn't it? It is. Your, your words and actions have to meet and your yep. communication needs to be consistent over time yep. from anybody you talk to, which is why it's got to be owned inside, inside. the core of what you're doing, not outside somewhere. Yep. And then marketing's role is, you know, is to is to sort of humanize that message, put yeah. the put some, you know, emotion and, and and reality and perspective and context around it to, to take that message into the organization so people understand why it's happening. I think, you know, it's not always about the what because you can read a list of things, as you say, there's your checkbox, tick them all. Why are you doing them? Let's understand why we're doing them. Communicate why because then you give yourself a purpose to do yeah. something differently. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and simpler you know, it simplifies everything, doesn't it? Because then you get to the simple, clear message. That's it. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And, and here's what it means for you. You know, we, but having committee after committee after committee, it just it, nobody knows where to go to find the right piece of information. You know, it just starts to become uh, r- ridiculous. So that I love. So I'm going to give you these last three questions. Gemma, do you want to ask the first one to Sarah? Here we go. The quick fire round. Number one. So, Sarah, can marketing save the planet? What's your view? Yes, because I think everybody is a marketeer. Lovely. Wonderful. Yep. And uh, we wouldn't disagree with that, would we, Gem? And what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Better, obviously. Uh, More inclusive. More. It should feel fun as well. I I know it's a random thing to say, but one thing I think we've really learned over the last year nearly of this pandemic is life's too short and business, however serious it is, however tough it is, it should also be fun. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? You've got to enjoy yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. And for our final question, if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainable marketing, what would it be? Start small. Just do something. You could tie yourself up in knots trying to come up with a wonderful plan. Just do something and create the snowball. So thank you so much for joining us on the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. (laughs) 